Okay, well, hi, everybody, and thanks again for joining me for another one of the uh, series or another session of the Tofu Talks Limited series, Our New Normal, uh, where I'm talking with people that I know from around the world about their experience during this uh, obviously tragic and global pandemic. Um, and I have a, a lovely friend of mine here from the States, and uh, for those who don't know you, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm Janessa, and I am in Portland, Oregon right now. Uh, okay, my next question was going to be, where are you now? Portland, um, Oregon. Already doing good. So, um, as far as I know, I believe you, you were hopping around for a little while. Um, you haven't been sitting tight in Portland over, say, the last uh, six months or so. Uh, so... Maybe, I guess, first question, where were you, like, because it was just recently, right, that you headed back to Portland? Mm -hmm. um, so where were you, like, over the last, say, few months, and why did you decide to go home? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll start. I have, I was traveling since November. Um, I quit my job, and I just kind of wanted to do a reset, and one of my ideas was um, to figure out how to live more of a location independent lifestyle. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. So I thought I would just jump in with both feet and try. So I kind of told myself I'd give myself a month just to be gracious with myself and travel and do what I want to do and then kind of try and figure things out from there. So I left Portland on November 23rd. I flew to Western Europe. I met a good friend, Mirella, in the Netherlands and we hung out for a while there. And then I just sort of kept moving east. So I tried to do as much travel by land as possible. So I took the train through to Germany, went to a Christmas market, went down to Slovenia, up to Budapest. And then I went, um, I spent six weeks in Romania and I spent a month in Bulgaria and I had never been to Eastern Europe before. And it was amazing. And I fell in love with it. And I also, while I was living in Bulgaria, I got to do little, cause you're so close when you're in Europe, you're so close to everywhere. So I got to yeah. pop down to Greece and I got to go to Italy. And it was just such an amazing, wonderful experience. And then my plan was to go to Spain, celebrate my 40th birthday with some of my girlfriends who were coming over and then meet my best friend and her husband and go to Egypt and Jordan with them. They were going to head home and then I was going to continue my traveling. My goal was to go back to Sofia, Bulgaria, which I loved. Um, so I went to Spain. It was amazing. I was actually in Spain um, when things were going, were getting pretty serious in Italy, but they hadn't spread as far as we knew to Spain. And then I made it to Egypt. And basically, as soon as we landed in Egypt, which was about a month ago, we just had to recalibrate everything. So I came home probably about four weeks ago, exactly. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel, I don't think... Wait, have I talked to anyone? Yes, well, I talked with Christy Morgan, and she's in Portugal. Yeah. Um, thankfully, she's kind of, like, situated in a pretty good place, and I think she's, she said she was doing okay. Um, but I feel like Europe is because of that whole open border thing, and like you said, everyone's so close that I feel like this is a pretty drastic change for a lot of people because, you know, that ability to just hop over, like, from one country to the other and everything, and the concept... Although I'm not sure if they're all, if they've all closed their borders, but it's definitely, <clears throat> definitely kind of strange. Because I mean, at home in Canada, like you know, maybe you travel like a few times a year, and 
the country's so big itself and it's expensive to do it and everything. So I don't think the travel thing is quite was quite as drastic for that sort of change. But I can see, yeah, definitely, definitely would have changed your plans. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, I would say that if I had been, you know, if I had been in a, like a more permanent place, like if I had been in Bulgaria in my apartment I had rented, I don't know if I would have made the decision to come home for right or for wrong. Um, yeah. But because I was in Egypt, which was a completely different experience than um, being in Western Europe, it and there was flooding, it just it made so much sense to come home from there. So I mean, like, was it literally like, you know, you're kind of in the air and you land in Egypt, and they're just like, by the way, things it are was not great. So, it was so wild. It was like, you know, we we landed in Egypt, and we landed at three in the morning. And we always fun. Oh, it was, yeah, it was great. Immigration. And, yay. <laughs> and we got in and then we finally got checked in and ready, you know, to our room and everything probably like by 5 a.m. So the next morning we were up early. We got to go see the pyramid, which awesome. So cool. Mm -hmm. And then that night it started. There's a thunderstorm. So everything was flooded everything was flooding there was wild dogs barking everywhere there was the hotel we were staying in was just leaking everywhere the internet went out and at this time we were using the data on our phones to be like what's happening back home what's happening with COVID-19 so we were trying to figure things out and it was just this really really wild time to have like leaking water out of toilet paper wind swept the pyramids were closed they said, some people we talked to said it was deader then because of the weather and COVID than right after the revolution a few years prior. It was just completely dead. So we we just basically, after that first day, we had about three days, we basically just stayed in our hotel room and looked at our phones and tried to figure things out. So at first, we were like, do we go down to Luxor? Oh, because we had plans to go to Luxor. And then we said, oh, well, there's that cruise ship. I don't know. Maybe we don't let's do it. Let's just do it. So we made plans to do it. And then our flight got canceled because of the weather. So we said, okay, we won't go to Luxor. Do we move up our trip to Jordan? And then we, we see that the, um, Jordan isn't allowing in ships like cargo ships from okay. Egypt, but they are allowing in passenger flights. So every day just had this new information coming at us all the time. So we, it wasn't like, oh, now we have to go home. It was like, what is the best decision to make right now at this point? And so one night, I think it was just um, at 11 p.m. or so, we got a notification that Jordan wasn't taking any more flights in from Egypt. So we just kind of recalibrated everything. We canceled. We started canceling all of our hotels and our car rentals. And um, we booked flights to come home. I was thinking for a minute, I was like, well, maybe I should just go somewhere else and hole up. But at that point, you know, it's just like, just go home. So we flew, we decided we flew from Egypt to Dubai, and then a 16 hour flight from Dubai to San Francisco, and then San Francisco to Portland. And they checked our temperature at two different airports. And I had been in Spain and Italy within the last couple of months. So I definitely got pulled aside in question. I was fine. I was healthy. I did have a cold. Um, oh, no. But I was fine. So it was just, it happened so fast and it was in this weird dystopian setting and it still is kind of like what just happened where am i how yeah yeah i mean i think well that that feeling i don't know if it's 
it's faded for you, but I think a lot of people are still in that, what? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. And like, because I mean, well, I guess like in some ways, at least, at least from where I've been, it's been a fairly slow thing because, you know, it's, it's been months here. Um, mm -hmm. But in a lot of parts of the world and a lot of people I've talked to, it's like kind of yet last month, although maybe it seems like last year was when things really sort of changed. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, coming back to the States, like what, uh, what kind of measures were you faced with when you got back to Portland or maybe even in San Francisco? Like you mentioned temperature checking. Was that in the States or was it just the... the uh, it was both. Other? I mean, actually, um, we got our temperature checked coming into the airport in Cairo as well. But going out they um, in Dubai, they rerouted everybody flying to the United States through a whole separate area they made us do a few different um checks like they had they added a few boarding processes so you're at the gate and then you check in and then you go down and they go through like the metal detector and the temperature check again one more time and then you board the flights they were definitely being very it seemed like they were being very cautious yeah. um and then they Basically, when we landed in San Francisco, it seemed like they pulled anybody who had been in one of the hot countries um, for some extra temperature checking just in the last two weeks. So for me, I had been in Italy a month before, but they didn't count that part. Yeah. Okay. Because um, <clears throat> I know at least last month I was reading stories like Pearson Airport in Toronto, which is, I'm not sure if it's the biggest one in Canada, but it's definitely like a main thoroughfare they were getting some pretty crappy reviews because a lot of people flying in like going back home and stuff were saying at best they were handed like a pamphlet told uh -huh. to maybe like self-isolate and that was it and so everyone was just like what no like this is one of the main incoming points into the country like this is where this sort of stuff should be happening that's yeah. why i was wondering that's interesting airports. i mean they did have I got a pamphlet for sure, but I also was very clear, you know, I said, listen, I know what, I know what the symptoms are. I know that I don't have them. I'm going to monitor them. I'm going to self quarantine for two weeks. So I let them know that I knew what to do. So maybe, um, maybe that was part of it, but I would say they, I think they handled it really well, especially considering when all of these rules and regulations were kind of being thrown out there and put into place. You know, it's like the U.S. government would say something and then companies have to try and make it work. So I think the fact that, you know, the airlines and the airports made it work as well as they did in such a short amount of time. For me, I had a good experience. I've heard horror yeah. stories, you know, from other people having to wait for hours and hours. But for me, the airports I went into and I think I was lucky that I wasn't coming directly from Europe, that I was coming from Egypt yeah. and Dubai also was in my favor. Maybe, um. Maybe a lot of them have had training over the last few years with random government decrees and having to be like, what? Now we're suddenly doing this or not doing yeah, that? Yeah, now this, now this. <laughs> Maybe they've been like a little practiced. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but in terms of like, now in terms of say Oregon or Portland in general, like what are you, what are you looking at now? Say in sort of your daily life. It was my daily life like here. It's really, you know, I, first of all, I'm incredibly grateful that I, there's so, so many things have worked out in my favor. Um, but it's also the same time, it's just kind of weird. You know, my plan was to try and figure out how to not live in the United States. <laughs> and now here I am back in the United States, but I'm, 
I'm in my home where all my family and friends are, which for me is my roots, but I don't mm -hmm. get to see any of them because we're isolating. So I'm, it's kind of like, I'm still traveling. I still have just my backpack of stuff. Um, I still am virtually connecting with friends and family, like my mom who lives half an hour away or my best friend down the street. I'm still just talking with them virtually. Um, it's a, it's just, it's a weird time and it's hard because I still would like to be location independent, but I don't know when or how that would even be a thing. My industry, which is events, is completely tanked. I'm lucky enough that I've got an option I'm pursuing. I might have something um, for like a part-time thing, which would be amazing, but it's just everything was basically turned upside down. So right now I'm just taking everything kind of a day at a time, mm -hmm. um, trusting that things will kind of work out doing what I can do. So I'm going for a walk every day. We're allowed to do that in Oregon. Um, so I'll go for a walk. I'll go for a run. Sometimes I play a lot of words with friends. Um, I eat a lot of chocolate chip cookies, watch mm. movies, and I'll, I'm taking like some social media courses and I'm, you know, I'm trying to do some writing courses and just trying to learn a little bit, but it's basically what my life has been like for the last four months. Just, here, and I guess I should say that I'm also incredibly lucky because I sold everything I had and left the country, including my car. And so I didn't have a place to come home to. <laughs> I didn't have a home. And it's so lucky because my friend Laura, who is in Barcelona with me, um, talked to her landlord who has like a separate little unit as part of her condo. And so I'm renting that month to month. So it doesn't have a full kitchen. It doesn't have laundry. It doesn't have some things, but it has a bed. It has a bathroom and I can use some of their space. So it's actually mm -hmm. like, I'm so lucky that that happened because I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have, I didn't have a place to come home to. So that's been really, really nice too. Yeah. The, um, I've actually got some friends who started their first house sit like through the website that I use after like years of me being like, yeah, you should try this and everything. They started their first house sit like, I think it would have been late February, maybe early March. And that's when things kind of started turning upside down back home. Um, and so since then, uh, like the homeowners came back early and one of my friends is you know, she's like immunocompromised. So mm -hmm. her partner is super concerned. She's not quite as concerned as he is, but um, super concerned. So like they didn't even want to like meet with the homeowners when they got back. It was very much like ships passing in the night sort of thing. But then they had to scramble and be like, well, where else are we going to go right now? Because like they, they didn't have a home base. Like, yeah, I mean, because for me, like house sitting for the last three years, well, longer, like, I don't have a home base. Mm -hmm. I've just been house sitting or staying with friends. Um, I mean, luckily right now I'm staying with my partner and I'd planned on maybe a bit of a shift to more like sitting tight in Saigon. But yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to be talking to some other people who mainly do the house sitting thing. Mm -hmm. And this is like, just totally shut that down. Cause yeah. Yeah. Obviously no one's going anywhere. Right. And so people can't house it or yeah. What do you do when you don't have a home base? And for me, I hadn't been gone from home as long, so it was easier to come home. But I can imagine if I had, if I was traveling for a year or so, what, what, what does home look like? What is home? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's definitely. I think a lot of us are asking those questions these days. I, I do. Um, when you mentioned that, like where you are now is kind of no different than where you were. 
Um, it reminded me when I lived in South Korea, which I think is the last time we crossed paths. Was maybe? it? That was in 2000. No, because we were in Korea in 2012, maybe. And we oh saw each God. other at Vegan in 2015. Okay. God, was South it all Korea that together. long ago? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but when I lived there, like, for the most part, I mean, on the weekend, especially in the beginning, I was just staying at home, watching Mad Men, eating, you know, like, beans and hash browns and toast. <laughs> and the only time I would realize, like, oh, yeah, I'm not, like, you know, and I was talking to all my friends, like, online. So the only time I'd realize, like, oh, shit, I'm not in Canada is, like, if someone outside started yelling something, mm -hmm. like, maybe they were selling something or, like, some guy was going around with, like, a religious horn on a truck about taking Jesus into your life or something. But it was all <laughs> in Korean. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because other than that, like, you know, if you go up four walls and, like, a roof yeah. and you sort of wrap yourself up in English and talking with your friends, you're like, it could be anywhere. Um, yeah, it's really strange because the things that I missed when I was abroad or the, what I felt a lack of was little things like going to a grocery store and knowing the social mores and norms of how to do things, you know, yeah. or being able to understand when somebody tells you you're doing something wrong or I'm um, going to happy hour with friends or going to movies. So the things that I missed are things, I mean, I can understand the language in a grocery store now here in Portland, for sure. But everybody's wearing masks and nobody can touch. So, yeah. yeah, the things that I missed aren't necessarily the things that I get by being back here. So it is still a little bit of, like, a yeah. bubble in a way. Yeah, it was, um, that was actually one of the reasons why I, like, I was supposed to go back uh, for a visit at the end of next month and I canceled it because... Well, similar to you, like, you know, it's not a simple one flight yeah. little jump. It's like, bup, 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 bup. and you got to try and get all those pieces together right now is just, you know, ridiculous. Um, but the big thing was that the rule right now in Canada is that you have to have a self-isolation plan. And like, I don't know how strict they are with it, but like you have to basically present to them at the border and be like, look, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And if they're OK with it, then cool, you go ahead. If they're not, then they basically put you up somewhere. Because, you know, a lot of people, when they were just handing out pamphlets and stuff, were just like, all right, I'm going to drive home, go get a coffee, yeah. go to the grocery store, whatever. And they're like, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. Yeah. Like, you it's don't, interesting you to have... see people's different ideas of what quarantining or isolation is. You know, when you see people yeah. who are, um, you know, still going outside and socializing with people or still... Um, you know, going to the store every day. It's just interesting to see people's different levels. But I think for me, I think it's um, like to ease my mind, I feel like if the majority of people do 60 to 90%, that's so much better than, the, so even if like not everybody's doing as much as I would think, everybody's still doing something. And I think that's really the most helpful. Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you feel about Portland in general? Do you feel like people are kind of doing it or yeah, shrugging it off? Like, I feel like people are doing it. You know, I'm in um, St. John's, which is kind of a kind of a suburb of Portland, so I don't get too much experience with like the big, the main of Portland. But I went to the grocery store today. I think everybody I saw was wearing a mask. There's rules of everybody standing in line, so everybody's wearing a mask. You have little dots you stand on. All the shopping carts were disinfected in between each and every use. Um, 
I haven't seen people. Yeah, what I've seen for the most part is people not wanting to pet other people's pets, even on walks, you know, not coming within six feet of people. What I've seen is that in Portland, everybody's really trying hard. And I think that you can tell because Portland is a liberal city and um, that kind of concept of let's all look out for each other and have that social safety net is so strong. I think other parts of Oregon, like in Central Oregon, um, maybe there's some more protests there because it's a little bit of a different feel. Um, Mm -hmm. but Oregon overall is actually, we have, I think we have 75 deaths just today, which, which isn't bad considering like the epicenter started in Washington. So Mm -hmm. we're, I think overall we're doing, we're in a pretty okay spot. Okay. It's, it's still weird to me. Like when we talked before, my comparison now is the numbers of Vietnam and almost everywhere is like, huh? What? Um, but so is Portland at least keeping it weird with the masks? I mean, have you seen any like Halloween masks or like yeah. BDSM stuff or anything like that? I mean, I there's got to wish. Be... <laughs> um, what have I seen? There's I've seen some something. people with like those big, like, I don't know, like those masks you'd see in a 1940s, like World War II movie. I've seen some of those. And then other than that, just a lot of quirky little funky masks of course like you'd think in Portland and Laura's mom made two masks each for me for Laura and for Laura's boyfriend so I have one that has coffee beans and I have one that has little um, bouncing frogs all over it awesome I was gonna say there's also some artisanal masks being made right oh there definitely are there's Etsy shops galore Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think actually if I'm not mistaken the first the first like um brewery to do hand sanitizer i think the first story i read was about a, a place in portland like yeah a bar i know some or, portland brew pubs were doing that cool. and distilleries i think shine distillery was doing it yeah. um yeah and then if i'm not mistaken again fitting with portland i believe a strip club was also doing a uh, a food delivery i can't remember what they called it it was something pretty cheeky um but again i read the story i was like yeah yeah portland you be I you. didn't hear that, but your... I 100% now know that that happened. Because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, again, it's it's just like businesses kind of adapting to yeah. continue to be able to keep their employees and everything, right? And But it's just fitting that, you know, out of all the places where there are strip clubs, I was like, if it was going to be somewhere, it would be Portland or probably Las Vegas. And yeah, yeah. Did it. Yeah, so you, you could apparently order... Uh, and I guess, yeah, some of the strip clubs there are known for good food. I mean, usually I wouldn't be like, I really want some food from like a bar. That's where I want to order my food. But I mean, I guess some of them are doing pretty good. I mean, there's lots of good food in Portland. So there is. There's one yeah. strip club that's known for their steaks, but there there's a strip club also known for its amazing vegan food. So yeah, yeah they have good I'm, mac and cheese. I haven't been there in years, but I used to go for the mac and cheese. <laughs> It's fine. I'm thinking of like the old excuse with people with, well, I read Playboy for the interviews. <laughs> yeah, I go to the strip club Folks for the like, well, I go to the strip club. That is such a Portland statement right there. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Um, yeah, I go to the strip club for the vegan mac and cheese. <laughs> Portland. Um, so, and, I mean, you already kind of touched on like how, you know, you right now you're kind of self-isolating and Obviously, your family's it. That's like one of the reasons why I'm not going home yet is because 
I don't want to do 30, 40 hours of planes and stuff just to get home and be like, hi, huh. and then go hide in like the loft of my parents' place yeah. for two weeks. I just um, noticed your shirt, by the way. Is that a BBC shirt? Yeah, Did you yeah, wear yeah. that in honor of our meeting today? Well, because I've, like I told you before we started, like so many people that I've been talking to when we were kind of like, all right, so we like, I know we've met at least once. And I was like, when did we last meet or whatever? It's like, oh, yeah, it was BBC. And we kind of had to go through the time period and everything. Yeah. Um, so thank you for clearing it up. It was, what was he said? 2013. 2011 was the first one in yeah. Portland. 2013 right. was the second one at the Portland Art Museum. And then 2015 was in Austin, Texas. Okay. So yeah. probably 2015 is the last time a lot of us saw each other in person. Yeah. So through some of them, there were debates about time periods. So I just wanted to clarify that for anyone watching. That's the official <laughs> answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, the person who would know. Yeah. You heard it heard it here first, I guess. Do you have um, your BBC mug too? Not with me. I used to carry it around like I am um, before before I did the like serious shift to like full time travel, I was doing the like full big backpack and like a little wheelie carry on thing. And when I look at that now, I'm like, what were you why? <laughs> like I had a sleeping bag and like winter stuff and summer stuff i think i was also carrying bed sheets maybe at one point <laughs> when i flew to south korea i took like a pillow and bed sheets which apparently was a good idea because it's not super common there like to have like a lot of sheets and everything mm -hmm. um so but these were like bamboo sheets which i don't know if you've ever had a chance to like sleep in bamboo oh my god amazing <laughs> So this is why I brought it with me, and um, I used to carry the mug, too. And then when I cut down to, like, carry on only, mm -hmm. and I sort of stood back for a second, I was like, why am I taking this stuff around with me, especially, like, something that could break? Something that's heavy, could break. You can access mugs anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. kind of didn't, you know, it didn't fit with, with the hopping around. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as far as I know, it's still... I don't think my parents are using it. I think it's in like a storage bin at my parents' place. Um, but so speaking of family, like how outside of like not being able to, you know, touch at the moment, um, like how else is this impacted like your loved ones and you um, and how, how are you coping with it overall? Do you have any secrets? Um, do you have any secrets? <laughs> um, I, it's just weird. Like I think, you know, just taking things a day at a time and just knowing that, um, like my family's all okay. So that's really good. Um, my older brother is in Korea. He's in Seoul teaching. So oh, he's, he's still there. there. Well, again, oh. but yes, he's okay. there. Yeah. Um, so he's there and he decided to stay there, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and then my mom and my little brother and my grandma all live about probably 45 minutes from me. So um, that's been really weird, but I did drive out yesterday and I brought my grandma some groceries and I kept six feet distance and I wore my frog mask. And then I stopped by my mom's house and also kept my distance, wore my mask. She gave me some beans she made. So it was really, really nice to see them because then it kind of um, hit home a little bit more that I was home, but it was really yep. weird because I'm a hugger. So it was just really weird to see my family and not be able to hug them or touch them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, 
I don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. Just trying to get through how we get through and knowing it's not going to last forever and um, grateful. Just, I mean, that by not touching them, I'm doing my part, which is weird, but that's also helpful. Um, This wasn't the first time you've seen them since you've been back, right? Like it was the first time. What? Oh, and it's been like a month. Yeah. So it's, I haven't seen them in five months because I was quarantined for two weeks very strictly and then since then i just i don't know i'm just really trying to limit all my time out and about yeah or Um, as you would say listen i was being lovely to portland if you want (laughs) if you want me to start digging at the states we can go down that road (laughs) no i love it i love the canadian accent (laughs) one of my favorites I, I mean, I, I don't hear, well, depending on who I talk to, I'm sure if I talk to more people, especially in like the prairies, I notice it um, or some variation of, um, I mean, in the East Coast, I'm more confronted with like the Newfoundland accent, which yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've really demonstrated that one for you. Can you? Maybe. Will you? Um, let me see. So if we were, if we were in Newfoundland, and we were going to talk about this. Um, so, okay. Two people social distancing at a coffee shop, which already doesn't make sense. Um, and they'd probably be like, Lord, Tundra and Jesus, by how are you getting on with this whole thing? And the other person to go, oh, I don't know, but it's a total shit show. Don't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> and the other guy would be like, yeah, yeah. Whole thing, arson fell right out of her last month, right? And they'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, it did." And the government don't don't know what they're doing at all. Don't don't have a fucking clue. And you'd be <laughs> like, that, "That's basically sort of it." So I love it. I want to move there now. I love it. That's great. I honestly, one of the things that like when I was planning on going back um, in May, like. I was thinking, okay, I need to try and figure out how to make some money because I can't freaking afford to be back in Canada for like an extended period of time. Um, and so one of the things I was hoping to do was some sort of vegan event in, funny enough, in St. John's. Mm-hmm. When you said St. John's, I was like, ding! And I had to be like, <laughs> no, Ryan, not that St. John's. Um, yeah. So I was hoping to do some sort of vegan event. And I mean, I would love to do like conference style and get people to come to Newfoundland because... As long as the weather's okay, it's like one of my favorite places in the world. Most of the time, the weather sucks, though. Mm, so, really? So it's, I mean, it's like the edge of, well, it's the edge of North America and the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I know you got the Pacific, but that's like a bathtub. That's like a calm, pleasant bathtub. Yeah. Compared to the Atlantic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's like what we call RDF weather, which is rain, drizzle, and fog. And... This the usual saying is like if you don't like the weather in Newfoundland, just wait a minute, and you know you can go through like all four seasons. I mean, they I think well, actually I think Nova Scotia got hit with snow like in the last day or two, but like they've still got snow at home. And I mean, I know I think at least while I was growing up there, we had like one or two like maybe Junes where we got some snow. Holy, holy, so, yeah. Like, you don't put the winter clothes away because then you curse the whole province and there'll be, like, a snowstorm and you're like, it's freaking May. Why? Why is this happening? Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, how do you so, get how do you get there? Like if you had an event there, what's the closest city like closest hub city to fly into? Um well I mean like New York or Boston, uh either that or Toronto or Montreal. And then how be. far of a and then you do a connecting flight or you could Yeah, drive. I think um well like you could kind of drive. It's an island, so you could drive so far you'd get to like the tip of Nova Scotia. And then you'd be looking at like a six to eight hour ferry ride, um, which would put you on the west coast of the island, which is the opposite end of the capital. Um, and it's freaking beautiful. And there's an amazing national park there that I would recommend. But if you're like going for an event, you want to go to St. John's. So flying is your best bet. Because mm -hmm. if you do the ferry that goes closer to St. John's, it's like 12 to 14 hours on a boat mm. in the Atlantic Ocean. And so you'd want to like fly into New York and then catch a connecting to St. John's. Yeah. And you'd, I think from New York, it's like maybe two, two and a half hours. Okay. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. Um, and, and the, like the landing is again, probably one of my favorite ones. Cause you, um, um, you basically like sometimes if it's, you know, again, cloudy and stuff, like it usually is when you start to go down, like you're basically just, you see like sort of cliffs. And the Atlantic Ocean just wide open, and then you kind of like turn around and you know land in the airport. Um, but yeah, like I want in my head is like, oh my god, it would be amazing to host a conference there because I I went to one for uh, for like independent music, which was this rock conference, and like they got a bunch of people that came from Canada and from the states, like Ian McKay from uh, from Discord Records. Is it Discord? Yeah, from Discord Records, like Fugazi and Minor Threat and stuff. Like he went and people were just like, what, what the hell? Like Ian McKay left, <laughs> you know, left his home. And <laughs> part of it was because so many people were like, what, Newfoundland? Where the hell is that? Mm -hmm. And people in Canada, like musicians know if they, like, if they get a chance to go to Newfoundland and it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg, like it's going to be a good time. Like Newfoundland parties until the sun comes up. Like people start going out at say 12 or one in the morning and they don't go home until like four or five. Not me. That's, That's exhausting. <laughs> that sounds so exhausting. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean, it's amazing. If the weather's good, like, it's, it's yeah. I, I love the place. I don't know how this turned into a PR thing for Newfoundland. Um, I'm like, tell me more. I want to know more about it. I've had, like, one other person end up turning this interview around to, like, questions <laughs> about me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So the thing for me, I think, was after going through all that, being faced with this whole idea of like, all right, two weeks of, you know, not seeing the family and everything was kind of weird. But um, at least right now, I think in the beginning, like, I think for both of us, both Canada and the States, it seems like none of this was taken seriously until like maybe March or middle of March. Um, so I felt like I was kind of pushing like my family, especially my extended family. And funny enough, the older people which is silly because, you know, it's like, I'm the kid here, right? Like, I'm not the one that should be your like... your best interest. Yeah, I'm not the one that should be like, you're grounded. Like, listen to me, you're <laughs> grounded. No going out, no seeing friends, whatever. Um, so I was trying to, like, put that pressure on people. Um, and I feel like they've, they've figured it out now because, like, it's a state of emergency and everything. And there's, there's numbers to show, okay, don't mess around. Um, I mean, is that, like, did you have those issues with your family or was everyone kind of like yep okay we get it yeah I think it hit home for me a little bit 
sooner and clearer just because I because I was in places affected by it, but also because I yep. had to change my whole life because of it. So to me, it was like, this is serious, you know? And so even when I came home, you know, there was definitely some people I know who weren't taking it that seriously yet, which makes sense because it's hard if you don't see it. It's really hard to know that it impacts you. And in the United States, I mean, it has kind of a bubble in terms of, you know, when there are big things that happen a lot of times it doesn't happen to people in the U.S. right so like I mean some SARS make like some of it has but for the most part I think people thought it was an over there thing yep. and I think it took a lot to get people to see and I think having a leader of our country not necessarily trying to um, convey the magnitude as quickly as possible also didn't help you know, it kind of, it had to really go to governor level for a lot of people to be like, okay, th you know, we need that structure. We need you to tell us we can't leave the house because otherwise if you have a job and you have kids to provide for and it's your choice and you're like, what do I, I, I don't know, what do I do? Yeah. You'll probably choose to go to work. But if you have a governor or another leader who says, okay, everybody stay home, that's what you have to do. And then you have to work around that and find a way to make it work. So I am thankful that there are some um, strong leaders in um, the States. So are you on the uh, Dr. Fauci fan club? Have you got like a button or anything? I, he's great. I mean, I, anybody compared to Trump is good. So he's great. <laughs> I like that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't. He is a very intelligent person, and that's wonderful to have that. What I about, wish we had more of that. Yes. What about any Portland or Oregon representatives? Got anyone that you're just like, yes, you're doing it? Um, you know, I, our governor, Kate Brown, I think is doing the best job she can. I think she was a little lenient at first. She's like how I would be if I were a mom. You know, she's like, I urge you all to stay home. Please do what you know is right. <laughs> trying to like call on people's better selves, but that doesn't work. So she, it was a little bit slow to start, but who, I mean, when you're elected office, you don't necessarily, I don't think you would think about how to best manage a pandemic, you know? So I think it's, it's hard going for a lot of people. She seems to be doing a pretty good job and Oregon and Washington and California are all now, the governors are all kind of working together to make sure that um, mm -hmm. it's kind of in conjunction with one another when we open things back up. So I think that's also yeah. really nice to know that there's a partnership on our coast. Um, so actually speaking of, and this will help to wrap things up nicely, uh, when things do like end or, you know, a slow progression more likely, uh, and you're able to leave that, that room of yours and not feel like, ah, oh my God. Um, what's, what's your first, or sorry, um, I'm asking you a question that I was asking everyone else before. I'm not supposed to be doing that, but I'm going to do it anyway. What's, what's your, what's your first day going to be like? Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't even tell you. I, I honestly don't know. This is going to be a really boring answer because I don't know when it is or what I'll be doing or if I'll have you a know. job or if I won't. So I don't know. I mean, what I would love to do is like go to happy hour with some friends and hug them all and drink a margarita. Something like that would be amazing. I would love to go to the Humane Society and go hug all the cats. Okay. Um, yeah, I think something along those lines. Um, 
side note, I learned that at least in some places in Australia, they're doing uh, drink deliveries from the bars, <laughs> which there shocked is. me. But <laughs> again, I'm like, Australia, are doing that here you, too. you. They're doing like a wine delivery or, yeah. So that's, and I mean, that's legal? Like, I guess, I mean, it just shows that laws are kind of, I think we just froze. A little bit. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, I think it just shows that you can kind of bend things when needed because I think, I mean, I think it's helping businesses stay in business, basically. So bottom line is, is that seems fine for now. Ask, ask for forgiveness before you ask for permission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are bigger things for people to be dealing with than, you know, finding a restaurant for selling some wine bottles. <laughs> yeah. Um, so since I ruined that lovely segue uh the question i was supposed to ask you because like i told you before we started like i've changed the questions to kind of entertain myself and anybody watching more than one of these um are there and i've got to read from my notes because i haven't memorized it yet <laughs> are there uh are there any lessons you're you're gonna take from this like any sort of changes that maybe it's inspired in your life or anything when this yeah is over? i think on a um on a day-to-day -day level um I'm probably going to be a cleaner person. <laughs> I'm probably going to wash my hands a lot more and um, be more cognizant of germs. I'm just not a very germ-aware person generally. Michelle from VVC would vouch for that. This time, She and Jess and I were having a meeting once outside, like on a picnic table, and this guy walked by with a guitar. He kind of looked like a homeless street kid, and he had a whole bunch of berries in his hand, and his hand was like stained purple. He just picked them somewhere. And he said, do you want some berries? I was like, sure, thanks. It's so nice. And so I ate the berries. And Michelle just had this look on her face. Like, you are going to die at some point because of your so, so I might not do that in the future. I, this is um, funny. I could, I could hear, like, Michelle in that voice, like you mentioned with your governor, of, like, I would like you to not eat berries from some stranger's hand, please. <laughs> Just in general, don't consume, you know, candy <laughs> from strangers. I have a friend who, um, two friends who were at a festival, and this might have been a, an idea that maybe you shouldn't be consuming things that people are giving at a music festival, especially one kind of known for such things. Um, some girl came up to the two of them, and maybe they also were like, she's really cute. You know, why would she do anything to bother us? And she's like, oh, would you like some cherries or whatever? They're organic. And they both, I think they were both like, yeah, okay. And one of them just like, pop. And then the other one was kind of like, wait, maybe we shouldn't. And the other one ended up like tripping for like, I don't know how long, because they were laced with something. I mean, it wasn't like a bad trip, but it wasn't really what it they wasn't planned on doing. It was planned trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, um, at least the berries weren't like that. I mean, it is cool. Yeah. I, you know, I trusted him. He said, like, he was a trustworthy guy. Yeah, the other, cool. I think the other thing that I will hold on to is um, something that I've been working on for a while, but just the concept of holding the future lightly, you know, just kind of going as you can. And if something happens, there's also that thing that, you know, when something unexpected happens, just yell plot twist and keep moving. So that too, you know, this is um, just trying not to get down about changing the plans and just kind of going where it goes and seeing and being open that maybe because I had to come back here early, something will happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Maybe not. I don't know. But just kind of um, 
just kind of going with the flow, continuing um, to. Have you watched Community? Mm, I've seen some episodes here and there, but I haven't like done the whole thing. Because that was that plot twist would be a very Abed thing to do. Oh, like really? The, well, the running gag is that he treats the whole thing like a TV show, which it is. Um, so he would probably, like, if something happened, he'd be like, plot twist. Oh, that's So I don't know, but maybe we're, like, wherever you heard that, it might have actually been inspired by the show, maybe. Um, I don't know. I like to think lots of things have been inspired by that show because it's pretty I awesome. lots of things have been. And I think it's now on Netflix, maybe. I mean, I it's probably... Netflix. It's probably been on Netflix for years in the States because that's where all the good Netflix is. But Isn't it weird? Whatever. But you know what's funny is when I was in Bulgaria, Friends was still on Netflix, oh. even though it had been taken off in the United States. I don't really watch Friends, but still it was interesting to note the different. Oh, yeah. Between, like, Thailand and here, like, whenever I jump back and forth, I'll be like, oh, like, the horror movie selection in both countries is terrible. Like, mm-hmm. I think when I first came to Thailand, there was maybe, like, a dozen horror movies on Netflix. <laughs> it's just like, this is terrible. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it was fun to see, like, what stuff kind of changes yeah. as I travel. I also learned, I don't know if they still, I don't think they do this because I think they changed the icon, but when I first started making my way from Canada over to here, Facebook, they used to have, like, a little globe up, like, somewhere on the right for some part of your um, menu. And depending on where you were, it would actually rotate. So I'd spent so long in Canada that it focused on North America. And then I think when I landed in Europe, I was like, why does the icon look weird? And I looked in, I was like, oh, shit, it's on Europe now. I don't know if I would ever notice that. That's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, I I feel like I looked at it recently, but I don't think they still have the icon. I think they changed Mm -hmm. it to like your profile picture or something. Um, But now I'm going to make another terrible segue because the whole thing is just, it's just ruined now. Um, What? (laughs) What do you what do you hope the world learns from this tragedy? I mean, what do you mm. what do you hope comes out of it? That's a it's pretty broad. I guess I would maybe compartmentalize those a little bit. Like I hope, for example, the United States can learn how to separate healthcare from employment as a start, I think would be phenomenal. Um, and I don't know enough you, I don't know enough about a lot of places of the world. I guess just generally that we all are connected. You know, we. I think this has been a pretty big learning experience that what it's impacting you in Vietnam and me here in Portland, and it's impacting people all over the world. So it, even though we can feel really separate, we really are all connected, and the world is really small. And I think we can take that to mean the best thing possible, that we can all look out for each other and that us making small moves here will actually help people over there and vice versa. So I think in the grand scheme of things that we all are connected and can look out for one another. And I'm going to say thank you for giving me a great segue to save this whole thing because the main purpose of this whole series was to try and allow people to connect with Mm -hmm. each other and see like some of the similarities and everything. So there you go. That that wraps it up nicely. We (laughs) thank you for saving for saving the professionalism, which obviously is a big concern to me here. Um, but seriously, thank you for, for kind of giving us a window into Portland, Oregon, and also your experience of kind of traveling around a bit. And I hope I hope that you eventually are able to 
get back on some planes without being super fearful of, you know, everyone around you and everything. And maybe, maybe we'll see each other again somewhere in the world. You never know. We might. Thank you for having me. This has been really fun to talk and connect, reconnect with you. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk to you again somewhere along the way. That sounds good and likely to happen.